Okay. And we're live. All righty. Welcome back to another fantastic edition of the apparently number one top rated podcast in America for trucking. So we're told <laughs> uh, the Blue Ribbon Podcast. Chris and Larry, back at your service. Uh, it's been 20 days since our last confession. So we figured we would give y'all a little uh, update on because we've been busy. Lord have mercy. Um, we've still got five trucks. We've still got five drivers. We have been operating in the market. It has been, it's been difficult, but it has not been impossible. We, you know, wow, we've made a lot. I bet you we've made more phone calls in the last three weeks than we did in the three years before that. Uh, it has been. Yeah, that's the biggest change is just, you know, everybody asks me, you know, how you, how you guys doing, you know, and, and, and we're doing okay. I mean, you know, there, there is a little bit of a supplement that we're getting from Landstar right now, which is helping keep, um, you know, where the rates have dropped, this extra money we're getting from Landstar uh, as a temporary supplement has sort of made up for it. But beyond that, you know, we're still doing same number of loads a week for the most part. And they're just harder to find. You know, we just have to spend a lot more time where before I would be booked out right now for everybody, uh, at least to the end of this week. And then in the end of next week, now we barely are in booked into this week. You know, most people have got Monday and Tuesday booked with the exception of you, everybody else we're still working on. So it's just, it's changed the way we're doing it only because it's harder to find the loads and there's a lot more competition for the loads, but yeah, our diligence has paid off and, you know, we're, we're doing it with just, it takes, you know, I used to um, spend the first couple hours of my day cleaning up, you know, getting booked, getting booked out for a couple more days. Now I'm till mid afternoon, you know, before I'm getting things, you know, put to bed, fix problems from yesterday, get a couple of loads booked out, you know, for each truck. So it, it's just taken a lot longer to do, but you know, the good thing and is we're able to work and we don't have people on unemployment and you know, right. everybody's, everybody's still happy. So, that's and it's made me realize something that we, I don't, I think we left out when we've had this conversation about being at Landstar versus having an authority um, is the importance of that contract freight. No, you know, no, absolutely. that contract freight buddy, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of shippers wishing they hadn't signed those contracts right now, but the fact that we still have trucks pulling three plus dollar a mile freight. Now you better be quick draw McGraw. And when that, when that load alert goes off, you better be ready to hit that button, make that phone call. Um, but uh, the number of loads that we're doing that are still above our minimum requirement for what would be pulling a load is the majority of them. And we've had a couple, at least two situations I know of where a driver's week has been saved by one load, one contract freight load that was over $3 a mile that we were able to jump on and get that has been the difference between the driver making $1,100 and $1,600, you know, just one load. So, uh, that can that is that's a piece of value, but can't be discounted because if I'm an independent owner operator right now and all I'm doing is running the, the spot market, Lord have mercy. That that would be that would be terrifying because uh, we know the stop the spot market sucks really really bad. So I'm um, I am certainly glad to be at Landstar right now. I'm certainly glad to be working with Blue Ribbon uh, where we have a model that is sustainable and works in any market and every market. Because if, you know, I, I haven't got my stimulus check yet, but I don't really need it because I've been working, you know, and, um, Unfortunately, I think the next 90 days is going to be really rough. I, I believe the market's going to come back a lot faster than a lot of people think, but 
it's not going to be fast enough to save a lot of people from bankruptcy. There's going to be a lot of companies go down really, really hard. And I think there's probably a bunch of them hanging on right now because they think daddy's going to write them a check. Yeah. And I, uh, that ain't happening. Well, Absolutely it's a stimulus. Not. if it took the stimulus to, to save your business during this, you probably aren't going to make it anyway because – you know, it's, it's not going to be enough. And, and even if there's so much wrong with the stimulus thing, I mean, I, I, I got tickled the other day. Somebody made a post about how the government gave them all this money. And this is another fleet owner at Landstar that I thought had his ducks in a row. But so I, re, I responded, I said, I put in air quotes, the, the gave part. I said, Hmm, just pondering this gave word you just used, you know, and he came back and said, well, well, what's the problem? I'm like, well, I'm just sitting here thinking about how many of the rest of us and for how long it's going to take us to pay that back. Cause you do realize that the government doesn't produce any money. Well, they print it all, but it's worthless. Right. You know? But they don't, they don't produce income. And I said, you know, all this has got to be paid for. I mean, somebody at some point in time has got to pay for this, you know? And, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like when I, I used to go into Canada and um, my Verizon phone didn't work up there. So I figured out that my iPhone, I had that I had a spare iPhone that was dual SIM. So I went and bought a Canadian carrier's SIM card to put in it. And I would have to buy these reloads at a gas station. And it was like a 13% tax everywhere except Alberta. And someone had asked me when I told them, I'm like, well, yeah, it's 50 bucks, but then you got to add, you know, uh, $6 and something to it for the 13% tax. And this lady was like, 13%. I said, well, somebody's got to pay for all that free health care they got up there. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. It, um, I actually heard, um, uh, someone speaking on, on the issue of, 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 of the dollar and inflation and bailouts. And I don't think, um, I don't think it will be as bad on one hand because the like it or not, the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Um, and so dropping six, six or eight or $12 trillion in just the American economy is a problem, but you're not, that's not really what you're doing. You're dropping 12 mean $12 trillion in a global economy. So there's lots of people that's going to reach out there and grab up that money. And it, for now it still has enough value to, to probably sustain it without hyperinflation. But, as with every other government intervention, the unintended consequences are immeasurable and innumerable. Um, and that's, that's what I've seen over the last uh, 20 days since we did a podcast. Um, I've watched 75% of the people move around as normal. And the only changes that I see like last week in Pennsylvania, um, his Royal Highness, the governor of, Pennsylvania issued a mask order. And so I see a bunch of people wearing masks all of a sudden. And to the point that a customer that I've been going to for years now, and I, and I roll up and they won't even talk to me, won't get near me simply because the governor said some words to completely change their behavior. Not because they're afraid of infection. Well, the governor said we have to maintain social distance distancing governor said we must wear a mask we will wear a mask we will not sign your paperwork shut up slave you know and uh but before we were recording you were talking about the chiropractor you know the uh the chiropractors in west virginia never closed the chiropractors in kentucky were ordered to close it so the the virus stops at the state line. You know, it is a respecter of borders, and it's like, oh, well, I can't go in here because the governor shut the chiropractor down, you know. So I fully expect the next two weeks to be filled with just dip civil disobedience and defiance. And uh, I saw a story this morning from Dallas, North Dallas, where a woman, she opened her salon, and she had armed guards there protecting her and it said in the story the cops showed up and then they left and then they came back and then they left and then they came back and then they left because the bootlickers 
And the snitches kept calling the cops. Oh, my God, this woman and these people are engaging in voluntary commerce. How dare they? And uh, the cops finally issued a citation. She told him to pound sand. Judge gave her a cease and desist order. She told him to pound sand, too. So there's just going to be more and more of that. And there's no, this idea that, oh, we're phase one, phase two. We're at phase FU. That's, a, that's what phase we're at right now. You know, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to be back rocking and rolling here in about two weeks. And because the whole thing's just going to fall apart. It, it philosophically already has, you know, but I fully expect the economy to be chugging about 95% within the next 14 days, you know, unless, I don't know, they like use a nuclear weapon or something on us, but I wouldn't put it past them at this point. Well, what, you know, the, the thing that I find interesting from all this is that um, how, how can I say it? How delicate people's, not only their business finances, but their personal finances are. I mean, you know, nobody saves money anymore in this country, you know, and now people have been forced to take off work, you know, for two, three, four weeks now. And, and everybody's broke, you know, um, it, and, and if you're in business and, you know, this has, and, and you can tell people are hurting because of the comments on Facebook, you know, guys that, that, that owner operators in these Facebook groups that never before could care less about anything. Now, all of a sudden they just, they just can't figure out how to stay in business. You know, uh, all the things that we've preached all along with lowering your costs and all that sort of stuff they thought was stupid, you know, now all of a sudden had they been doing that, they wouldn't be in the situation they're in, you know? So my comment to all that was maybe the lunatics were right all along, you know, maybe we weren't so crazy, you know? So but I have uh, a question. I have a question that though, you uh, know, yes, people are broke. And I, and I, I guess to, to respond to what I'm about to say, you could just say they're whipping out their credit cards, but have you been to a Chick-fil-A? My God, we went, uh, we went to visit my mom and dad last night and we got within a five, we got within five miles of a Chick-fil-A and my kid's radar went off. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, the, that microchip in their head, you know, the GPS trackers like, Oh, there's a, there is a Chick-fil-A nearby. So we had to go to the Chick-fil-A two lines wrapped all the way around the building. Walmart busting at the seams um, it, I can't reconcile this. The entire economy is shut down with what I see. I, that's, that's the most perplexing thing to me. Now, obviously they, they could just be making chase and, and, uh, MasterCard and, and all those people more and more rich and just going further and further and further in debt. But, they don't seem to have slowed down a bit. And we're, we're this, this Chick-fil-A is built in Barbersville, West Virginia is built on a hillside. So there's just enough room for the drive through. Is there anything in West Virginia that's not built on a hillside? Well, valid point. Uh, so when you pull in, there's one in and one out, and then they split you into two lanes and there's this girl standing there with a mask and she's this lane, that lane, this lane, that lane. So we get up there and I roll the window down. And I said, Hey, how long you worked at Chick-fil-A? She's like six months. And I said, six months ago, would you have ever believed you'd be a traffic cop? <laughs> and she was like, absolutely not. You know, because they've got them all lined out around the building. Now, right below them, the Applebee's, has got all the signage gone off of it. So it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. So certainly they were in trouble you know, anyway, though they were, they had, you know, they, I think they had actually already restructured and before all this even happened, they were, they yeah. were and that's going to be the problem with, like I say, businesses that were on shaky grounds to begin with, they're not going to come through this, you know, yeah. too big a hole, but, but it's, you're right that there are a lot of people and here's my, I guess it's optimism based again, based on what I've seen. There's a lot of people 
in this country, I won't speak for any other parts of the world, but there's a lot of people in this country who have never been political. They don't, they might say I'm red or blue, but they didn't go vote. Mm -hmm. They never wrote a letter to the congressman. They, they would never attend a protest. They would never, because it didn't matter. I mean, let's be honest. It, you know, you can go on about your daily life and never watch the news and never vote. And, and your life just going to keep chugging along regardless of who's in this situation has lit a fire under a bunch of those people that we've never heard from before. And well, I think similar, similar to the, 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 the last presidential election. I mean, the same thing yeah. happened with people who didn't normally vote. That's why all the polls were wrong about Trump. You know, yeah. those polls were taken from likely voters. Well, you had a whole bunch of people that weren't likely voters, you know, before, and then they just had had enough. And so, yeah, I think you're seeing the same thing. I agree with you. you, know, you I mean, who, who would have ever thought that some of those, those people right there would never have ever admitted that they would ever be involved in civil dis disobedience. Mm -hmm. And now they're out there waving flags and carrying guns and signs <laughs> and yeah. marching around the capital of the, of the state, you know? So, but, you know, you can only push people so far, you know, and, uh, the, the other thing that I find interesting about it is that it's, it, it, it basically shows you who are self thinkers and who are just drink the Kool-Aid, you know? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people weren't necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid. They just didn't want to get involved. I mean, I've said this to you before. My wife hates politics. Okay. But she doesn't despise the politics. She despised the pettiness of it. You know, mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be involved with people who, you know, uh, stoop to that level of pettiness that most of us grew out of in junior high school. You know, right. These people are professional junior high school people, you know, and uh, and, and so so she avoids it only because she doesn't want to be around those kinds of people, you know? And I think there's a lot of people that are that, that, are that way. It's not that politics itself is so bad. It's the people that it attracts. I don't want to hang out with. And yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way, you know? And so, but you get to a point where you realize, well, even though if I don't want to hang out with it, these are the people that are making these decisions that I have to live by right now. And so if I don't get involved here and at least give my, you know, let my voice be heard, you know, I'm never going to stop this, um, this pendulum from swinging, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what you're seeing here is people are going, you know, wait a minute, you know, I've gone along to get along, but now I, I'm not. I'm going to let you know how I feel about it. And people that you don't normally hear, for, hear from, I mean, I'm a good example. I, for the longest time, I never really got political on Facebook. And part of that comes from my previous business, you know, background where I didn't want to associate with one side or the other because I didn't want to alienate 50% of my market, you know. Right. Um, but after all this, I've started putting some, not necessarily political, but I'm speaking my mind. And now I've got friends coming out and going, well, I didn't know you felt that way. You know, you sure are an expert in a lot of things nowadays, you know, and, and things like, so it, it's, it's funny how it, you know, people react to th these situations, but. Um, when it's interesting to watch the media, because here you have, and I'm not even going to say the name an individual human being that has a title walks out to a podium and says, it is now 4 PM and the media responds with, he denies the existence of time zones. You know, I, I, wow. he, he could say that the, the sun rose in the East this morning. He denies the existence of the moon. You know, it, it's, Right. That, to me, is what I think they, the media, they don't understand that when they bait him and when they try to catch him in this stuff, his people love it. Oh, yeah. They he love does. He does every... Too. Yeah. Oh, he does too. But his people love it when he calls CNN fake news. They yeah. think it's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> but CNN... 
you know, which uh, Donnell Rawlings on Joe Rogan the other day said CNN's like a like a crazy ex girlfriend, you know, that's reminding you of shit you did five years ago. Um, they set they set themselves up on this pedestal and this level, and they they look around and like oh, 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 look listen to what that idiot said, you know, and they're so disconnected and they're so clueless and they don't now understand just how many people they've pissed off because I've I've got immediate members of my family that would never, ever, like you said with Mary Lou, talk politics. Mm -hmm. And dude, they're furious right now. They are absolutely almost to the point that I think there's a lot of people that didn't like Trump, couldn't stomach Trump in any way that'll now go vote for him just to spite him. Just well, like, not as an endorsement of him, as a, it's a word I'm looking for, attack as a... Counter, counterattack. Attack attack the media, yeah. which is pretty much what he did the first time around, and he's going to do it again. Right. Well, and again, what, 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 what's the option? I mean, who, what's the option? You know, I mean, that's the problem here. I mean, give us a choice, you know? Uh, I haven't seen a viable. Uh, listen, I'm I'm not I'm not crazy about the man, okay? Right. But, but my God, you know what? You got a pedophile with brain damage. <laughs> That's your alternative. I mean, and and yeah, I mean. I'm like, well, you know, guys, if that's the best you can come up with, right? And then, and then you got these people that hate him so. You know, the problem with the press—they hate him so much that they're making themselves look like asses because no, like you say, no matter what he says, they're going to take the opposite approach. You know, and if you're going to, if you're literally going to come to my house and put a gun to my head and escort me out to the van and drag me to the polls and say, all right, citizen, you have a choice. Okay. If that's the choice you're going to give me. Well, but people have a choice and and they just, they just won't vote, you know, right. They'll just stay home, you know, and that's what happens. And then, you know, whoever's got the biggest activist base, which up until just the last election, has typically been the Democrats because they actively go out and, and, you know, recruit people to vote and give them rides, pay them, whatever, you know. And so, um, and that's why I say that's what happened last time that I don't think anybody, I mean, nobody got it right. Nobody got it right, you know. um, Right. Because it was such a different, um, the, 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 what do you call the electorate was such a different demographic that it would never have been polled, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. For, I wish this thing get over with so we could watch him get on the trail again, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Because now, 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 now that Biden is the presumed uh, nominee, it, 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 it's just it's down, it's down to two people now, you know? And so it'd, be, it'd just be so much fun to watch this happen, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's, we don't we don't need professional sports to come back. Just let the politicians go again, and that'll oh, be entertaining enough, you know. Oh, it'll be the best thing we've ever seen. What what has really struck me is like take one uh, this hydroxychloroquine thing. I heard about hydroxychloroquine probably a week before Trump ever mentioned it, and. So when I I remember reading a report, it was from a French, kind of the French counterpart of uh, Dr. Fauci. He's the head of some national institute or something or other. And he had come out in the, I don't know, first or second week of February and had said, game over. You know, we've been treating respiratory illnesses with hydroxychloroquine and, uh, and hey, we got this about a one. And I was like, oh, well, okay. So partially in the first couple of weeks, I personally kind of dismissed it. And one of the reasons that I dismissed it was these reports that we were hearing about the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then it was maybe another week or two, and Trump mentions it just in passing. Well, I've heard about 
dude, I still this morning, I saw a guy sharing a post on Facebook about how Trump is responsible for killing people with snake oil called hydroxychloroquine. I'm thinking, I've seen Dr. Drew talk about the effectiveness of that drug. I've I've listened to literal medical professionals talk about that drug, but because Orange Man Bad said it, oh, well, it has to be banned. I mean, it has to be taken off the market because the 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 Orange orange Man, Orange Man's bad. Orange Man said the word. And that's, I think, where they really don't understand how bad they've screwed this up because we have unlimited access to information. Facebook and Twitter and Google and YouTube, they can all try their best to, to suppress the information, but you can't stop me from talking to my neighbor and having a conversation and saying, well, well, I heard about hydroxychloroquine. Did you hear it? Yeah, I heard about it too. Well, the media said this. They don't understand how much damage they've done to themselves. If they just shut the hell up, it'd probably go more their way if, than if they didn't. But I've lived this for so many years because I've listened in this industry for 22 years to experts that were completely full of shit tell me how it's got to be. And I'm thinking, I forgot more than you idiots will ever know. But, well, experts said this and experts said that. And I'm, I'm thinking, why are they an expert again? Why am I listening to these people? Because I don't, I don't want to hear anything. But I, experts have recommended trucking companies run themselves the way they have. While we're the lunatics, I'll take Blue Ribbon any day. Well, and to, bring, and, to, and to get this back onto a business subject matter, um, you know, this, is ju- this just illustrates to you why you should do business the way we've, you know, promoted uh, it to be done. Because um, let's look at it. If, if you're in business right now and you had paid cash for your truck and you didn't have a truck payment and you had no debt, you know, and you're um, – specking your truck and doing the modifications to get the best fuel mileage. And I'll admit fuel is cheap right now, but still, uh, it's still going to be your number one expense, you know? And if, if it, if it's, if it's just because it's cheap, doesn't mean you still have to throw money away, you know? Um, but fuel's not going to stay a dollar a gallon. Okay. I'm, you know, and that this rebound is also going to be probably, it's probably going to be a, um, uh, what am I trying to say? An over an overreaction, which typically we do, you know, to where once the economy opens up again, then you know the 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 oil the listen the people that run oil companies are not, not stupid, you know, and they're going to make that money back. So oh yeah. Um, so anyway, the to get back to my point is that if you're running your business at the lowest possible cost, you know, per mile, and you're um, looking at the at the loads right now and, and the rates are, 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 you know, a buck and a half and $2 a mile where they used to be two fifty dollars and $3 a mile, you can still pull that freight and make money. I mean, we're proving it every day. You know, uh, we got five trucks out here pulling freight every day. And, 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 you know, we're not making as much money as we were before this, but we're still making money. You know, we're not losing money, you know, right. And so we're not, there's no danger of us going out of business because of this, at least not at this current level. Now, you know, if, 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 if they say that trucks can't run tomorrow, then that would be a different story. But, you know, as long as we can truck, we can truck and make money when, when 90% of the rest of the industry can't do it and make money. Now I'll hand you the big boys can lose money for a while because they, they can, they can, you know, absorb it. Um, and, and they've got all these company drivers that they've got to keep moving. So they are, they are pulling at a loss. I can promise you that, but still that doesn't mean there's, they can't take all the freight. You know, there's, there's a lot more of us than there are of them. And, uh, and there's a lot of people that don't want them to pull the freight, you know? So, uh, the other thing that we preach is, 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 uh, is, um, developing relationships with, with your customers with your agent so that they continue to want you to pull freight. I mean, you're a good example, you know, now they're talking about maybe adjusting your rate a little bit, but still your rate is the same today as it was in 2018, you know? 
So, mm-hmm. um, but that's the benefit of having a good relationship where they like what you do. The service you provide is what they want. And as long as they can keep moving their product, they're going to keep paying us to do it. Yeah. So, uh, to, you know, it, 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 it just, th- this is a, this is a perfect example of, you know, why we do business the way we do now, you know, I'm not brand new. If you're coming into this business brand new, there's no way you shouldn't do it this way. You know, we do it normally to, to minimize risk so that you can endure uh, an occasional tough spot, you know, a a bad week or a bad breakdown or something. You know, we didn't do it with the intention of, of having to work during a pandemic, but guess what? It worked is working. So, you know, if you're, if you're going to, if, if you're on Facebook and you're asking questions like, well, where can I go lease a truck and what's the best kind for me to get on to, you know, you're a moron, you know, you need to be, first of all, I wouldn't be doing anything right now because just as soon as all this thing clears a little bit and, 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 the, and the smoke clears, there's going to be plenty of trucks for sale, you know? Oh, yeah. So you don't need to be worrying about leasing a truck right now. Just save your money. And in the next, you know, couple of months, you're going to be able to buy trucks at half what they what, what they would have sold for a month ago. And so that's the time to, to, to and even then, if you're, if you walk up to the old boy with, you know, um, stacks of $20 bills, I, then your negotiating position gets a whole lot better, you know? So uh, the time to buy a truck is going to be coming up real soon, you know? Uh, we had put off the idea of buying trucks until later in the year, but this may change that. You know, we see uh, you know a bunch of a bunch of good deals coming along. We may just jump on that right now, only because we're going to be able to buy them for half of what we would have paid for them, um, you know, six months ago. So, um, but anyway, this is again the point I'm trying to make is that there, there's not a better example of why to do business the way we teach you to do business than what we're going through right now. You know, so doesn't, and, doesn't get much worse than this. So if you can endure this and make money, what, what, what's going to be thrown at you next short of a nuclear attack, you know? So, well, I, I had a conversation on a, with a guy yesterday on a, a different, a new project that I've started on my YouTube channel. And one thing that we talked about is, is we have both come through a f- kind of, uh, philosophical change over the last 10 or 15 years. And, and we talked about how we have to remember not to abuse people that have not been through that same transformation yet, you know, to, to not be on this side of the red sea, you know, and other people, they can't see it. And so we need to be careful to not, um, not, not be too harsh with people that haven't gotten it yet. And there's a fundamental mind shift that has to take place here. Um, and, and it's, and we, we call it identity change. You, you have to, you have to re-examine how you see the person that, that you shave with the person you see in the mirror. Right. And you, and you have to challenge some fundamentals that you probably grew up with. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I attack those ideas. Okay, and unfortunately, if you if you hold those ideas, then you probably feel like I'm attacking you, and that's not my intent. There's a lot of really, really, really bad information, and there's a really a, a lot of really bad principles that have been in play for a long time, and we need to expose those principles as being ineffectual and not being logical, um, and not having common sense, and so. That's uh, that's what we're trying to do here because you can certainly go lease a truck if you want to. I'm not going to put a gun to your head and stop you, I, but I'm going to tell you it's probably foolish, and I can give you all the reasons why you should go wait another 60 days and go pay $5,000 now for a truck. We used to say ten, but... I, I, right now, I'm looking for a $5,000 truck because they're going to be out there. Uh, because the difference, and we, we had this conversation with someone the other day where we had to explain that the difference between a $20,000 truck 
and a $10,000 truck, fundamentally, you're not, you're not getting enough. If you think, oh, well, they recommend buying a $10,000 truck, so I'm going to buy a $20,000 truck. Well, you're not getting double the truck. You're just not. You might get 15% more truck, but you have to, un- you have to decide that if I'm going to go in and pay cash for a truck and get something that's attainable in my price range, then that's going to be in that five to $12,000 range. When you start getting more above that, you're paying the owner. You're not, you're not really paying for the truck. So, or I want to be, or you're paying for repairs that he has done and you can't verify or validate that the repairs were done in a quality way. You're reimbursing him for work that was done that maybe you have to do over again. Yeah. And I know that, and sound, yeah. I know that sounds weird, but believe me, when you get in this business and you start paying for repairs, you'll find out, you know, that's why we do our best to take our stuff to one guy because we know that he's going to do it right the first time as opposed to us fixing it on the road, then having to take it back to him, have him redo it, you know. Well, let's tell that story real quick because there's we had another one of these uh, these these situations happen this week with a truck that began to present with a problem that wasn't you know if you blow a tire you know exactly what happened the tire blew fix the tire and go now but there are other problems that present that aren't cut and dry and so on a Thursday the driver calls me truck's running terrible it's running awful. Can't want hard to climb a hill. And I'm like, well, let's start with the easiest thing. Let's put a fuel filter in it. He puts a fuel filter in it. Good as new. So Friday, he drives home, parks it, goes up Monday morning, truck won't start. Cranks and cranks and cranks and won't start. So we send a shop out. Shop unplugs the ECM wire in the battery box, plugs it back in, truck starts. Okay, so we now know we've reset the ECM, but I sent that guy over there. I said, well, we had a fuel issue last week, so it's got to be fuel. So I was already off on the wrong trail. So uh, we get the truck started. The driver has to do the reset thing again Monday afternoon. And I said, okay, leave it running. Don't shut it off. So he leaves it running Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon, we get a break in the schedule. And I say, go to this shop in Indianapolis that is – pretty good and they find some fusible links and some uh little uh, eyelets and replace that stuff the problem still exists truck just shuts off or it won't start easy so thursday we talk about it and we realize that we're 150 miles from our guy and we're we're faced with put the truck on freight send it 600 miles down the road and 600 miles back to get to our guy or give up the freight in a pandemic market to run him 150 miles over to our guy to get the real answer. So we measured the risk and we decided we're going to give the freight back and we're going to go see our guy. So we send the driver down there two hours. He calls me, Hey man, this thing's got a bad ignition switch. I said, are you serious? Oh, after, yeah. After we've been talking about all the possibility of ECM and all this other stuff, oh, you know. Yeah. Preparing, we have this. for the worst, you know. <laughs> the, the worst case scenario on this trip because the, the person who owned it before us had made some modifications. So, the, the ECM has special programming. So, it's not just plug and play. It, it, it's $12,000 probably if you end up in a stealership and to, you know, replace all this stuff and get it back. And so – a $25 ignition switch uh, and two new keys. And uh, by the way, if you need keys made, go to a hardware store. Do not go to Home Depot and, and use that stupid machine because when we got the new ignition switch, we had to take the tumbler out of the old one. And he goes to put the old tumbler in the new switch and the key won't turn. Why? Because the keys that we cut at Home Depot were not cut well enough to have that smoothly turn inside that brand new switch. The old switch was worn out enough to where that improperly cut key would still work. So the wrong key would work. If I could take the key out of your truck, yeah, it make it work. Yeah. Probably start it with a screwdriver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we end up with another $30 bill from a locksmith to cut two keys to the code. 
and essentially fix this truck for probably $120, you know, but I guarantee you, I would, I would bet my next two paychecks that if that truck would shut down on the side of the road, nobody would have gone, well, let me check the key. Ignition. And he's, yeah. if you turn the key just right, it'll start. But if you don't, you know, and then it'll just quit. A let's, put it, let's put an ECM in it. That's probably fix it. <laughs> yeah. And then after put they spent 12, after they spent $12,000 and it still ain't right, there would be some little note on the bottom. Oh, we also replaced your ignition switch, by the oh, way. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but all that other stuff had to be replaced because it was bad yeah. too. This, you know, and that's, now, I, and why, that's what, and that's, and that's what you get. That's why, that's why I say it sounds to the untrained ear that we're making shit up about this. But believe me, this is not, this is not the exception. This is the rule, you know? And, and so it, I tell um, you, it, it hurts my, I get my, I get sick at my stomach when I roll through a group and I see somebody going, where's a good place to get my 120 done? Yeah. Relationship, 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 relationship. You need to find somebody you trust and go to them every 120 days and get them under your truck and have them do your 120, not to try to escape the system somehow, not to find somebody that'll cheat for you because we've run into that. You know, we bought a truck one time that had a fresh 120 on it. <laughs> that some bitch wouldn't have passed a DOT inspection for nothing. That's not the point. It's not to game the system. That 120 is there for a reason. Use it to your advantage. Find someone that is knowledgeable and relentless and honest. They're out there. You can't walk out your front door and trip over them. But you have to create those relationships. If you don't, you end up in a position where you pay a lot of money for stuff you didn't need. And it's not that it's always intentional. These people, they honestly just don't know. You know, they, they, they only know what they've been taught or what the guy that next, you know, the, the guy who they ask, Hey Joe, what would you do about this? You know, it, it's not that they're trying to make your day bad or screw you. They just don't know. And, and the problem is half of them really don't care. That's the other part of it is that, you know, for some reason they get paid to fix stuff, but they don't really want to fix anything. They'd rather get this out so I can go sit in the break room, you know, yeah. I mean, how many times have we had people not fix something on a truck that we would have paid them to fix if all they had to do was just say, hey, by the way, do you know you have an air leak over here? But they'll let it go because you didn't ask for that, you know. Uh, we've had guys put engines in and then and then put old radiator hoses and heater hoses and stuff back on, you know, and sitting there just going, wait a minute, we're, we're spending eight ten thousand $10,000 here. Why don't we go ahead and these consumables, let's go ahead and put, but they won't do it unless you specifically tell them to do it, you know? Yeah. So, um, anyway, it's, uh, and if you're, if you're doing a major repair on a truck, you know, a clutch is going to cost you parts and labor, two grand, two grand, yeah, $2,500. If you're so broke that you can't afford to pay an extra hundred bucks to just have them put all new air fittings in when they pull the tanks out to get the transmission out. I don't, maybe you shouldn't own a truck, but they're going to take all that stuff apart in order to get the transmission out. We were fortunate when we had a clutch put in a truck that, that, that at least concerning the actual transmission, they did a good job with the input shaft and the, uh, what's that that other cross shaft but then they put bad air fittings back on when they put the tanks on because it wasn't the transmission they had tunnel vision must take transmission out must put transmission back in but then the trucks leaking air like a sieve and when you ask them about it oh well you just didn't think about putting that. it on yeah repair order said replace the transmission so. yeah now you talked about changing identity that, you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, that's the, um, 
Um, and, you know, and, and, and look, we've, we've got people that come work for us now that have listened to hours and hours of these podcasts. And um, sometimes that identity change still is a hard thing to do. You know, even though they know that this is what they want to do, it's just not natural for you to change, you know, um, some of the things that, that you've done so long. It, it's not an easy thing to do. And, and so we have to remind them, you know, constantly about, look, you know, you, you didn't come here to drive a truck. You came here to learn how to run a trucking company, you know? And, and so what you do every day is going to be different than what you did every day before you came here. You know, there's a lot more that is going to be expected of you here than you had to do where you were before. That's why we don't compare our job with the job you had because we're not really giving you a job. We're giving you an opportunity to learn from a couple of pretty good guys and at, and at no risk to you while you practice what we're teaching you on our trucks, you know, but that's not what you did before you came here, you know, but at the end of the day, you're not going to be looking at being a, a driver, company driver in a year, year and a half. You're going to be looking at being an owner operator, a business person, maybe even someone who's going to have a fleet, you know, so um, that this identity change thing is very important because there's things you have to do. There's concerns you have to have that you never had before. And that's what's so hard uh, about doing this. That's what keeps most people from being successful, by the way. It's not that they don't know how to drive. You know, they didn't, they didn't fail as known operator because they forgot how to drive. They failed as known operator because they didn't take care of business you know, and mainly because they didn't know how to take care of business. And that's what we're doing here is teaching you how to take care of business, you know, and sometimes it's just little things, you know, um, but it's, uh, you have to, you, instead of driving down a road daydreaming, you got to be driving down a road thinking all the time, what do I need to be doing next? You know, what, you know, what, yeah. you know, there, there's just not any idle time. You're, you're constantly should have your mind on something uh, besides just listen to the radio and run down the road. You know, I had a conversation with a new driver to, uh, this week and, and uh, really, really good guy. And we're talking about trip planning and trip planning here is it just wildly different than anything you would have experienced as company driver. And he, he asked the question, something like, um, well, when do you, when do you think about all this stuff? And I said, every minute, all the time, of every day. Yeah, you know exactly. It, exactly. It, it, you have to be constantly engaged with where am I at? When will I be there? How does what? How does the the bathroom break I just took? How does that? Where do I stop for lunch? How does that affect? Because what I do today affects Thursday and Friday. You know, what I'll be leaving today to go to Indianapolis. And I know that if I don't leave rolling with a full load of fuel at a certain time, it will affect when I get home Friday. I know that now, you know, but if I don't do the math, and that's essentially all it is, it's just third grade math. Um, it's, it's not calculus. Uh, sometimes it feels like that because you got all this stuff being thrown at you all the time, but it, it really is quite simple. Uh, but every minute of every day. Well, and, and, and that's just trip planning at the same time. You gotta be thinking, well, what, what are the maintenance requirements coming up on this truck? You know, um, what about, what about all the other, um, as a, as a business owner, what about all the other things that you're, I mean, you, even, even just finding loads, you know, you, you, all that, all that effort you just explained about being able to be in the right place at the right time all week. Well, throw on there. And by the way, you got to find your loads for next week while you're doing this, you know, or you got to react to an email where a load you already booked is just canceled. And now you've got to replace that load because you got one behind that one. I mean, there's all these things that, and, and see, as a company driver, all you had to do, your job was just to get from point A to point B in a, by a certain time. That was it. You know, you could, you could do your job in little tiny bites. 
because somebody was lining up the bites for you. And probably that somebody, somebody you didn't like, and the whole reason that you want to own your own truck is to get away from that person that organized your little bites. And then you get in your old truck, you find out, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to be successful, I've got to organize my little bites here. Oh, I had that, but I didn't like him. I wanted to get rid of him. Well, now you are him, okay? So, so now you, it, it, it's just the opposite of that old saying you heard about how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Well, in your business, you can't, you got to eat the whole elephant because if you just eat it one bite at a time, you're not going to get to the elephant. You know, you're, you're never going to get there because you have to put the big picture back in play. You know, when you're, when you're just an employee or company driver, you, the big picture really is not your job. You know, it's not your job to worry about whether the, the fleet you know, is meeting its fuel mileage requirements or it's your, not your job, you know, to worry about the company, you know, and, and the board of directors. But when you're the company and you're the board of directors and you're the person that doing all this stuff, that's a whole different thing. You know, it is your job then. And the last thing you need to do is uh, just worry about the, the, the load you're on today and not worry about everything else. Because I promise you that will come back to haunt you very quickly because you won't be able to do uh, the rest of your week, um, because you didn't look at the big picture. <clears throat> yeah. It's, <clears throat> I, I, I've had conversations in the last couple of weeks with, with new drivers about, about trip planning, because when, when I grew up in this business, there was no GPS, there was no Google maps. It was, you know, a paper map book and an exit guide. And, um, there's a fundamental that I learned the hard way that allows the new technology to just be an assistant. It's, it's a, it's an enhancement. But a lot of people have now grown up with the technology first and don't necessarily have that fundamental element. And they will rest, they will rest on that electronic assistant. And then it ends up running them around. It, it, it ends up driving the truck and not them. And I've taken that for granted. You know, and I realize how much I've taken that for granted as I've had now to be step into the role of teacher and not just say, well, you idiot, why don't you understand that? I have to say, okay, well, I get you and understand it. Now I have to break it down. I have to explain it to you. And that's, that's the similarity to trying to teach someone this business model. It's not just here's how we do it. Go do it. It's here's why we do it. Go do it. Because everything we do is specific for a reason, either based on his experience as a business owner combined with my experience in the business, but we have to do things a certain way because of the fundamental principles involved in making those decisions. And we can see around us in the general world right now, we have lots of people that are making statements uh, that they want me to consider before I make my daily decisions. Well, the only person that has to live with the, the, um, the, the consequences of those decisions is me. And so I can certainly take what they say under advisement, but I'm the one that has to make the decision and I will be the one that makes the decision and nobody else will make that decision for me. Um, and so when you're, if you decide to be an owner operator, buck stops with you, it is your or responsibility, any, 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 business any, owner. yeah. And, and it's your fault. You know, if it goes bad, ultimately it is your fault. And we're, I'm, I think we're, we're seeing now, and we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, business owners, um, you know, barber shops and salons and, tattoo parlors and chiropractors that are, that are now in the position of saying, well, I have a business to run. And if it fails, it's my fault because you're not coming to help me. You're telling me what I have to do, but you're, 
you're not giving me an, any alternative. Uh, uh, this lady I saw in North Dallas, she's like, I, I chose, I had to choose between paying my mortgage or paying the, the lease on my salon. I chose to pay the lease on my salon because my salon is where my money comes from to pay my mortgage. And so she opened the doors and she will not be shut down because she's got people with guns <laughs> standing outside protecting her and her customers, you know? So, which by the way, when this thing finally all sells down, all these things, all these things go to court. There's not any way in hell that a judge is going to allow the executive branch of any government to legislate the citizens. That's totally against the basics of every constitution in this United States. You know, that's why we have the legislative branch, you know, executive yeah. orders are bullshit, you know, yeah. that's all well, there is to it. And none of them will be enforced. These legislators, I don't know in here, here in West Virginia, I don't know what hole they're hiding in, but they're nowhere to be found. Oh, they're sheltering you know? at home. They're, they're following the, the rules. Okay. But listen, yeah. they get paid. They don't, it doesn't hurt them. It hasn't hurt them one bit. It doesn't, you know, their shop is open. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are now understanding that from uh, September 11th of 2001 to now, the legislative branch has been slowly uh, transferring its power to the executive. Because so of that an emergency. In the case of an emergency, right. if the executive screws it all up, that guy will be gone in eight years and they can say, Oh, well, we didn't have anything to do with it. It was that guy over there, you know, right. so don't fire right. us. Don't end our lifelong uh, holding of this office and all the money and power and prestige that comes with it. Blame that guy. And so when these people crawl out of their hole, they're hiding in, I think they're going to find a very, very, very pissed off constituency that is going to say, okay, you did it now go undo it. It's time to take the governor's emergency powers and throw them in the trash. Uh, that he didn't have to begin with. Right. Yeah. They, they did this and they need to answer for it. So, you know, the, the, the constitution and, and particularly the first 10 amendments, you know, they were put in place for situations like this, not to be discarded when situations like this come up, you know, that's what just blows me away is that the first thing we've allowed people to do is take away our basic rights, you know, because somebody says that, you know, you're going to get a virus, you know, um, I don't know, don't get me started. Um, I think I saw the other day that in the United States of all the people who they think have contracted it, 5.7% of those people have died. 5.7% of everybody who's contracted it. But yet, we've basically punished 100% of the people in this country. Some of them to the point where they're not going to recover from it. And that percentage will be a lot higher than 5.7%. Yeah. Well, and, we're, and people I've, we're starting to see now people making noise about cancer patients who've not been able to be treated. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's speculation that there's about to be some whistleblowing happen from nurses uh, that have been working in New York. Um, the speculation is that they're going to report that people without COVID have died at a larger rate than those of COVID mm -hmm. because they've been ignored by the medical system. Right. And I know a nurse that showed me this, uh, it's kind of like a recruiting platform for nurses, dude, $10,000 a week to go work in New York city, $10,000 a week room and board paid transportation paid. Now I know why they're making all them TikTok videos because they're, because <laughs> they're getting paid. Um, there's, there's going to be so in the, the flood, I believe the flood of information that is going to come out of this, that 
once it begins to flow, it, it just won't stop. Um, and there's going to be no way to stop it. So again, I, that's why I, I am more encouraged and more optimistic now than I was 20 days ago when we made the last podcast, um, because I'm seeing and I'm talking to people and I've started this new, um, I'll throw a link to it. It's called ordinary conversations. I'm just having conversations with people throwing up on YouTube. Um, but I'm getting more and more people like, well, I want, I want to come on there. Like, let's talk about, you know, um, we're just us regular folks, you know, um, just having a conversation about what we see and not allowing it to be filtered through a corporate media. So we should probably tell, tell that we've had an offer this week from a Senator to come on our podcast. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, yeah. told, I told Chris, I said, well, obviously that neither he nor his publicity publicist have listened to the podcast or there's no way they would have asked to be on here. So we, yeah. uh, we did him a favor and just didn't respond. So, uh, I, I mean, I thought about it. I thought, you know, to, to have a member of the U.S. Congress come on this per particular program with these two particular hosts. Uh, but, you know, it would be you've seen a few of those moments on CNN where somebody just takes the mic off and walks off. That that would probably happen here. Yeah. So we just figured we would save the guy the embarrassment. Um, right. Right. Listen. That's how yeah, we the, found out, by the way, we're the number one podcast in the industry. The top-rated <laughs> top trucking podcast no, in America. top-rated podcast in the trucking industry today. Quote. Uh, and so we Googled that, and sure enough, we found some. I did find some website somewhere that had that said the American Truck Driver, the old, the old title that yeah, said okay. that was number one. Um, <laughs> I found, you know, I, I found another site that we were like 13 or 14. Guys, I told you all along, I think people listening to this are sick. And I'm proving right now there's a whole lot of sick people out there, aren't they? Well, here, here's – there's an issue of, of faith. And, and hang on a minute because I don't mean that the way you think I did. There are a lot of people that have been raised with faith and devotion in the state the government, the media, they, they have the answers, they have the uh, resources, and we should listen to them. Well, I'll tell you this. My faith is in people. My faith is in the market. Now, that's not to discount a spiritual faith that I hold. It's, that's a separate issue, okay? But my customers are where my prosperity comes from. Everything I haul is custom-made. Windows, doors, cabinets for two different shippers. Now my trailer today that I have right now is about half full. It's usually loaded to the doors. Um, and you know, obviously things are down, but without regular ordinary people going and purchasing doors and windows and cabinets, I don't make a living period. And so I don't need orange man bad. I don't, I don't need the mentally deranged pedophile. I don't, I don't need, I don't need these people. They are absolutely unnecessary. The people that I need are like you. If you're listening to or watching this and you're just going out among your daily life and living your life, I benefit from your activity. And there are thousands and thousands of people that benefit from your activity because every little pebble that you drop in that water ripples go out and out and out and out. And we should, the one thing that we should learn from this is that when you allow people to use fear to try to control you, and they get you to stop engaging in just normal, boring, voluntary interactions, that's when bad stuff happens. And so I think a lot of people are waking up to that, that, that we are the market. We, as individuals, going about our daily lives, we are the ones that make all this happen for everybody. And these narcissistic sociopaths in the state, uh, they're the problem. They're not the solution. And so we just need to stop asking for their permission and going on about our daily lives and voluntarily interacting because they're trying to terrify us of each other. 
we're seeing that now. Oh, he's not wearing a mask. You know, um, stop being scared of your neighbor. Your neighbor's not the problem. I promise you. You got anything else you want to add to close? No, I, that's you. You summed it up very well. Well, we will be back soon with another episode. Send us questions and comments. Chris at blueribbonlogistics.com. Larry at blueribbonlogistics.com. The website website is blueribbonlogistics.com. You can find us on iTunes or Stitcher. And again, like, share, subscribe on YouTube. Share the show with other people. Send them a link. You know, um, if, if they're looking at being an owner-operator, Kind of now. Now's the time to start getting your resources together because trucks are going to be on sale. You know, so everybody um, be looking out for that, and uh, we're, we're going to try to get to producing some more YouTube content for you, um, and some some educational stuff. So be on the lookout for that. And with that, everyone, be safe, have fun, and we'll see you next time. Good day. Call your senators. Have them call us. Ha, ha, ha.